people of the world, welcome once again to VGM Fight Club. Welcome once again to the VGM Fight Club, a VGM podcast, where basically I take a subject, I present it to two different individuals, each either part of VGM podcast community or VGM podcast fan, have them make a track list based on the subject, and then pit those track lists against each other in a voter process. See who has the better taste in music. I am, once again, your commissioner, The Last Week, and a few top of the show notes. First and foremost, uh, as you heard, we were... Welcomed in, not with the usual VGM Fight Club entrance theme, but that of, you know, Razor Ramon's theme, also known as the Bad Boy. Um, as you know, Razor Ramon passed away about two weeks ago, so this episode is basically dedicated to him. I will get to that in a bit. Uh, I also would like to welcome Rage Cage, our newest member of the Fight Club, to the Fight Club. Uh, he has a podcast called VGM Porium. He was recently featured on an episode of Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, he's a great individual. Uh, truly funny guy. I think his uh, quirky nature and, you know, cool attitude fits in perfectly with what we have here at the Fight Club. So, welcome, Rage Cage. A um, couple other top of show notes. Um, I'm not going to talk about the situation at the Oscars. That's something I will talk about on my other podcasts. So, you'll hear no mentions of it outside of this today. Moving forward, um, it was also announced earlier this week, well, actually, yeah, I think it was earlier this week, Triple H has retired from in-ring action. Uh, the game is an incredible, you know, Triple H, Paul Levesque, incredible wrestler, um, helped a lot of people who started out in NXT, who are now in current other promotions, are still within WWE, get their foot in the door, you know, he's the reason why... We got a lot of these indie wrestlers into WWE and what made WWE great, especially NXT. NXT is great. Well, was great, but, you know, that's a topic for a different podcast, which I will also bring that up later in the show. But, you know, it is sad to see one of the great ones go. He truly is the last of... He was the last outlaw, so to say. He was the last one. So that whole generation, everyone from the Attitude Era, is literally gone. There's no one left that would be wrestling during that time. They're all gone. So, best wishes to Triple H in his retirement from in-ring action. Um, PlayStation announced their PlayStation, their version of Game Pass. And let me double look this up real quick to make sure I get this right. Because from what I was told, um, you know, just... Ugh. All right, let me look at this. Yeah, launching PlayStation is launching a subscription service to compete with Microsoft's widely popular Xbox Game Pass. Ugh. All 
Alright, so basically, Sony unveiled a long rumored video game subscription service on Tuesday morning. $15 per month offering, which extends the existing let's see, which extends the existing PlayStation Plus monthly membership plan into two new more expensive tiers. Is intended as Sony's counterbalance to Microsoft's widely popular Xbox Game Pass. With PlayStation Plus Extra tier, PlayStation 4 and 5 console owners will be able to access a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games. The games catalog, which includes major first-party hits will, like God of War and Marvel's Spider-Man, will be available for download only. You heard me? Th yeah, uh... That games catalog will be available for download only. Alright. In order to stream those games via the cloud, players users will have to pay $18 a month for the PlayStation Plus Premium tier. In addition to cloud streaming functionality, the highest paid tier adds an additional 340 games from the original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PlayStation 3. The big updates to the PlayStation service that Sony announced on Tuesday, which currently costs $10 a month in exchange for two free games and for all the benefits, has been long rumored. So, I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. Like, the, I, I guess I'm trying to understand the actual price. So, let me look that up, PlayStation Plus. Because it, it sounds like. Alright, so. Alright, here we go. So, tier one, which is basically $10 a month or $6 a year, is you get two month, free monthly games, discounts, cloud storage, online multiplayer. Tier two, $15 a month or $100 a year, basically what we kind of pay for the Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, everything from the previous tier. And a catalog of 400 PS4 and PS5 games, um, although they're not day one releases. So, like, if a new PS5, PS4, PS5 game comes out, you won't be able to play it day one like you can with Xbox Game Pass. Tier 3, which is about $18 a month or $120 a year. Uh, you get the benefits of Tier 1 and Tier 2. You get 340 games. More... Huh, this final tier offers 340 more games, which include PS3 titles. You can cloud stream and classic games from PS1, PS2, and PSP. Cloud streaming will work where available under current PlayStation Now setup. Time-limited game trials will be in this tier so players can try before they buy. I'm sorry. So, they want... Sony wants PlayStation owners to pay them to... You know, don't get me wrong, the, ide the ideal of being able to play old PlayStation 1, PS2, and PS3 games is appeasing, okay? But the fact that they're going to, you, you can't download them, they're streamed only, you can only stream them. No. 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 Like, I like the fact with Xbox Game Pass, there's a game on there that I want to play. I can play it via cloud, or, well, not all of them have cloud feature, but, or, I could just download the game to my Xbox and play it. I don't have to stream it. I don't have to worry about, 
you know, delay and lag or anything. Once it's downloaded, I play it at my leisure. Like, I just, I, I mean, I guess this is all well and good for PlayStation owners. Me, personally, I have a PS4. Uh, this isn't something I don't think I'll be getting. Like, at all. Period. Because a lot of back, old PlayStation 1, PS2, and PS3 games, I have a means of playing those. So unless they release something that was either A, never released stateside, B, is hard to get via the collector's market because it's highly expensive, or C, it's just, just, I, 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 I can't, you know, only A, B really affects me because just, I don't know. I think Sony um, needs to do a little better. I mean, that's just me. But then again, I, you know, I don't have nothing against Sony or I, I, I'm not like a, only Microsoft guy, I don't have anything against Sony, but like I've told people before, I have a Switch, an Xbox One, a PS4. I use my Xbox One for multiplayer. If I want to play against my friends and stuff, Xbox One or the Switch. My PS4 is strictly single player games, even though games like Guilty Gear Strive I have on there and a couple of other fighting games. But aside from that, no. Just no, no, no. I'm sorry. I got nothing. I love my PlayStation 4, just like I love my Xbox One. Just, I, I, I don't know what to say. Anywho, moving forward. Um, as I stated before I got into this tangent, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, so, like I said, Razor Ramon passed away two weeks ago. So I decided that this episode would be a dedication to him. You know, doubly named The Bad Guy. Because that was his character. You know, hey, yo, it's The Bad Guy. So... This episode will feature tracks from games featuring our two competitors' favorite bad guys or enemies. Okay, whichever way they want to go about it. Now, so it's a purely subjective, you know, topic. Now, both... Now, here's oddly enough what happened. Alex won the Super Capcom cage fight. Beverly swooped in at the last minute and challenged Alex to a match. Which, I believe... What was the title of that again? Let's see. A Konami versus Capcom match. Alright. I'll accept it. Thus, you know, putting his title, his championship, you know, his, you know, title shot online. Uh, unfortunately, Alex lost. And Bedroth has moved on to challenge the VGM Fight Club champion, the first ever Supreme of the Ring. Muddled Madness in the bad guy match. So, both competitors have picked their tracks. Uh, Muddle Madness won the dice roll, and he has opted to go second, so Bedroth's tracks will be first each round. So, what has Bedroth chosen for his first round pick? He has chosen a track from Final Fantasy... Oh, 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 oh sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was right. Bedroth chose a track from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And, you know, I'm just going to let the track play, and then I will give the name of it when we get back.
that was Ben Ross' first round pick. One Winged Angel, done in the style of Doom Eternal. Originally composed by Nobuo Uematsu, with lyrics for the um, cover, basically, done by Greg, Sarah, Alex Mukala, I mean, Mukala, The Broadway Sand, and Risophonia, and Jin Lee from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, as we all know, the Sephiroth theme is, like, just iconic. It's funny, because, actually, here's the thing. I still have not... I have Final Fantasy VII Remake. I haven't played it yet. Uh, I need to get it back for my brother. Because I actually want to play through the original Final Fantasy VII, because I've never played Final Fantasy VII. Um, reason being for that, because I'm one of the people where when someone overhypes a game, it just turns me off. And... So many years, Harry, when hyping up Final Fantasy VII and Lord it over as the best Final Fantasy. No. In my humble opinion, Final Fantasy IX is the superior game. Again, that's my opinion. But, at the time, like, after playing Final Fantasy VII for a little bit, I could see that during that time, why it was such a big deal. Uh, last time I played, I had just defeated a mutated dolphin boss, so... Anyway, but yeah, so like I remember for years hearing this song, and it wasn't till like I think I was like 1920, I realized that they were singing Sephiroth in the chorus. And I went and told my friend Gija, and she was like, Wait, what? Are you serious? And like when I explained it to her, she was like, Oh my god, they are singing Sephiroth. So like it was just one of the things, it's like, Oh, years of hearing this song, and did not realize what they're saying until like we were much, much older. So. You know, it's like one of the things where, like, if you go back and watch a movie you used to watch as a kid, and then you see, and, you know, you, you actually understand certain things, and you see the movie differently, because you're older to appreciate and understand certain things. So, it's one of them scenarios. But either way, uh, great first round pick from Bedroth. What does the champ have in store for us? His first round pick is from a game that, I'm sorry, I actually refuse to buy. I have no interest in it. But I heard the music's pretty good. This is a epic cover remix of Volo's theme from the game Pokemon Legends Arceus. Composers are Goichinose, Hitomi Sato, Hiromitsu Meiba, and the remixer is Kieran Zane.
That was Follows Theme, epic remix cover from the game Pokemon Legends Arceus, composed by Go Chinose, Hitomi Sato, Hiromitsu Meiba, with the remix being Kieran Zane. Now, here's the thing. I love Pokemon. I do. But I don't get every Pokemon game that comes out. This is one of the cases. For whatever reason, I wanted for someone to sell the concept of this game on me. But it just didn't sit right with me. It rubbed me the wrong way. Everything about this game, I just kind of don't like. Everyone says that this is one of the best Pokemon games there is. I know this is the direction that the game is going to go into where it's more free roaming and whatnot. I personally just, this game doesn't appease to me. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying it doesn't appease to me in any shape or form whatsoever. Like, alright, don't get me wrong. I like Sun and Moon, okay? I don't like the fact that in Sun and Moon, they got rid of the, um, what's it called? The gym, so to say. You had the island challenges, okay? That kind of bothered me. I'm sorry. To me, a normal Pokemon format is literally this. You, you know, you get a starter. You build a team. You fight the eight gym leaders. You have some side missions here or there. You fight a big back, you know, you know, organization or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. You get to the Elite Four. You beat them. You become champ. There's post-game stuff. You, you know, just, just the basic kind of format. But, just, no, this just did not appease me in any shape or form. Oh, and the idea of the, hey, let's go ahead and give the three starters from different games uh, new forms, Hiswayan forms, if you will. Here's my problem with this, okay? So, Rowlet is a great Pokemon, great grass Pokemon. No complaints about Rowlet. I'm not really big fan when it comes to fire starters, um, but you know everyone loves Cyndaquil. How can you hate to think it's adorable? For the water starter, we chose Ashua. I get this is supposed to be like ancient Japanese times. We're trying to go with the aesthetic of samurais and stuff. Okay, no, no. Ashua is quite literally the worst water starter there's ever been. Period. Statistically, just just no, no, no. I can sit here all day complaining about this damn Pokemon. Okay, but now nah, I just they could have chose a better water starter, but whatever. Uh, track was dope. I don't care much for the game, so that was our first round. Very rocking. Both these guys kind of came with both similar ideas. So let's. What do I got for round two? Well, Bedrock's first round pick for round two comes with a game Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Now, I've played Brawl, but I'm guessing this is the subspace uh, fight during the subspace emissary mode because I don't know who this is. Uh, the track is called Tabu Fight, and the composers for Super Smash Bros. Brawl is Takahiro Nishi, Shogo Sakai, Masaki Iwasaki, Yutaka Iraha, Keigo Ozaki, Kentaro Ishizaka, and of course, once again, Nobuo Uematsu. Get used to hearing this guy's name on this show for most of the night. Anyway, here's the track.
right, we are back. That was Tabu Fight from the game Super Smash Bros. Pro. Composed by Takahiro Nishi, Shogo Sakai, Saki Osaki, Yutaka Iraha, Keigo Ozaki, Kentaro Ishizaka, Nobuo Uomatsu. Now, um, I remember starting to play through the Subspace Emissary mode before at a friend's house, and he warned me ahead of time, this is a long... You're not going to be able to play it in one go. This, this is a long thing. And it kind of brought back the same concept with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate with World of Light. So, I thought that was a refreshing take. Although, I will say this. Like, I get it. We're done with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in terms of DLC characters. But can we get Smash Run back? Please? Like, that was the dopest thing about Super Smash Bros. for the 3DS and the Wii U. Like, can we just get Smash Run back? Please. I enjoyed that so much. It was such a fun game mode. Like... Ah, don't get me wrong, I love doing the home run contest, but still, just smash run. Can we get it back? Please, for the love of God. Just, ah. Anyway, so, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know who this character is. I'm assuming it's subspace emissary mode, but, you know, Super Smash Brothers, you know, that's one of them games, man. Like, you know, you just have fun with, so to say. Like, uh. Not much else I could say. Like, I really got nothing. I'm sorry, people. Just, I, I've never played Brawl. Like, well, I didn't play this story mode. Like, I've played a few times with friends, but this is one of those Smash Brothers games I kind of skipped over. I mean, it's terrible. Like, all right, I was thinking about this earlier today. And I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. So, please, put down your pitchforks, okay? So, I was listening to Ed's, I was listening to VGM NBC's NBC exclusive episode today. And Ed was on there, once again, bashing the Nintendo 64, because Ed doesn't like the 64, teach his own. Um, and I came to a realization about something. Uh, while I've played Mario Kart 64, I've never played Mario Kart 64 like I've played Super Mario Kart, uh, Mario Kart for the 3DS, uh, Mario Kart on the Wii U, Mario Kart Double Dash, like... I kind of skipped over Super Mario 64, which I know a lot of people say is the superior Mario Kart. I humbly disagree and say Mario Kart Double Dash is the best Mario Kart of all time. That's just me. That's my humble opinion. Okay? Like, if you had to ask me, what's your favorite Mario Kart of all time? Super Mar um, Mario Kart Double Dash. Plain and simple. That's all there is to it. Uh, I love the... You know, whole double, you know, two racers to a cart feature, especially if you're playing multiplayer. You can switch positions. You know, you drive, I throw things. Or, you know, it, it was a fun game. Okay? Uh, Mario Kart 64, like I said, I kind of just skipped over. You know, like, I had access to play it at friends' houses and whatnot, but did I own it myself? No. It's one of them games that I just never owned for my Nintendo 64. Do I have the means to play it now? Yes. I can play it on my Switch. You know, and I did play it, like, when... The 64 expansion pass came out. I played a few tracks of Super Mario Kart. I mean, Mario Kart 64. Um, I always pick Luigi. Um, in the original Mario Kart, I used to play pick Koopa Troopa all the time. But either way, just... Uh, I'll give it another try, but honestly, I if I had to say my favorite racer on the 64, it's either Cruising or F-Zero X. That's just me. But regardless... So yeah, I realized I, never, I just kind of skipped over... Over Mario Kart 64 and went straight to Mario Kart Double Dash. So, you know, just it happens. But, and I'm about to catch flack for this too. This next game, I've never really played either. I've played some of it, but I've never actually beaten this game. 
I think I got past the first level and I didn't even get to the first fight. Uh, well, first, well, either way, the track will explain itself. Uh, Metal Madness's second round pick is Bowser's theme, Metal Cover, from Super Mario 64. Risen Coast by Koji Kondo, with the cover being done by Toxic Eternity. Toxic Eternity for the game Super Mario 64. So, again, like I said, uh, I actually owned Super Mario 64 for my 64. It came with it when I got it. Um, this is 64 I got, like, th this isn't my original Nintendo 64. It's one I got off of a friend years ago. They had it sitting, like, literally at their mom's house, not using it. And I was like, dude, can I have it? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. I've just been adding to the collection over the years. Um, but, yeah, so I've if I'm correct, I think with Super Mario 64, I think I got past uh, ba ba field and after being King Bomba bomb I've never actually fought Bowser at all. I've never gone to the first Bowser fight in any shape or form. Um, just, I don't know. Just, I, it's not, I, I can't say, well, actually, I never even really tried. It just, I don't know, Super Mario 64 just never really, um, 
I don't know, just did not really, um, I don't know just how to say this. I guess it never really appeased me, so to say. I'm not saying it's a bad game, just the thing is, like, when the 64 first came out, I didn't get, we didn't have a 64. Like, we were still having, like, we still had a Sega Genesis and a Nintendo. Um, I didn't get 64 until, like, well after the PlayStation 2 came out. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, while everyone else was playing Grand Theft Auto 3 on their PS2s, I was playing Ocarina of Time and Turok 2. So, like, <laughs> just, but I love that thing. The 64 is one of my favorite systems of all time. Okay, so, anyway, that's, that's just me. Anyway, moving on to round three. What do our competitors have in store for us? Well, Bedroff has chosen a track from Street Fighter 2. And this is a cover of Vegas theme. Originally composed by Yoko Shimomura and Isoe Abe. This is a cover done by the One-Ups along with the Mariachi Entertainment System. So, let's see what we got in store here and give it a listen. Vegas themed cover 
originally co-hosted by Yoko Shimomura and Isawai Abe, with the cover being done by the One-Ups, featuring the Mariachi Entertainment System, the game Street Fighter 2. This is the original Street Fighter 2. Uh, now, you know, I kind of thought about something. Um, I realized, like, during this, I'm not really talking about the bad guy, so let me start with Sephiroth. Uh, Sephiroth is basically, like, he, he's, like, everyone's, like, go-to, oh, he's the evilest of the evil, but... If I have to quote my boy Samoa Joe, um, Kafka, if you want, you know, if you want true evil, evil, not some emo little sad boy, because that's what Sephiroth reminds me of, just some emo sad boy. But Kafka, uh, he actually accomplished his goal. He destroyed the world. Just saying. Uh, Volo, I don't know much about Pokemon Legends Arceus to talk about the guy. If I'm correct from what my co-host Claire said on Senpai's playlist, he literally comes with a team, a fully stacked team, and then has a legendary. You have to fight him twice. Because after you beat his fully stacked team, he then pulls out a legendary on you. So, I know nothing about Tabu. Bowser, if I had to say my favorite Bowser fight of all time, it would probably be from Super Mario World. That would be my favorite Bowser fight of all time. Hardest Bowser fight? Uh, new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii. The first one that came out for the Wii initially. Just, that was um, ridiculous. Just saying. Now, on to the subject of Vega. Now, a little bit of history here for you guys. I'm going to go on a brief tangent. Please bear with me. So, Street Fighter 2, originally when it came out, you could only play with uh, Ryu, Ken, Guile, Blanca, E Honda, Chun Li, Dao Sum, and uh, ooh, ooh, I forget someone. Um, Zangief. You can only play with those eight characters, okay? Now, Vega, Balrog, Saget, and M Bison were were known as the four heavenly kings. Uh, if you guys want more contrast on this, go watch High Score Girl. That anime is dope. But anyway, uh, so you had to fight through those four bosses, and then you fought Bison, the final boss, and that was the game. Uh, so when I believe it was Super Street Fighter Two when it first came when it came out in the arcades, then you could play as those four characters: Vega, Bison, Balrog, Sagat. Now Vega is a fighter from Spain who uses a claw and wears a mask, and his whole concept is that beauty is everything. Uh, the one thing I always found interesting about Vega was, well, three things I found interesting. One, if you fought on Vega's stage, he could climb up the cage. And if you were playing with him, you could also climb up the cage and do certain attacks. Uh, one was a lunging, uh, dive attack with the claw. Another one was a, like, lunging grab that you could go into a suplex with. Um, he had a rolling claw attack. So, Vega was, uh... It, you know, the claw gave him extra reach, which leads me to my second thing. So, Vega was the only character in the game where after inflicting so much damage, he would lose something, which, his claw. So, if you inflicted so much, I forget however it was done, but you could knock the claw off of Vega. And he'd have to spend the rest of the fight either clawless, or if he was able to, pick up, you know, if it's a computer or another character, another human controlling the character, they could pick the claw back up. Okay, via final fight, like if you, you know, there's knife on the ground type thing. Um, but aside from that, he was one of the most 
um, aerial characters aside from Chun-Li in the game. So, like, but Vega is the only character in the game whose stage was allowed him to do certain things on the stage in comparison. Like, you could only climb the cage if you were in Vega's stage with Vega, okay? And he's the only character that could do it. If you fought, if you used Vega in a different game, like in a different stage, he couldn't climb the cage. He could climb up the wall or kind of wall jump off of it. But the cage was the only, like, Vegas stage is the only stage that he was able to do that in. So, I always thought that was interesting. Uh, not a character I use per se, but, you know, definitely up there in terms of bad guys. Like, if I had to say anything, Vega probably embodies a more effeminate version of Razor Ramon being the bad guy, you know. But Razor Ramon, he was all about machismo. So, moving on to our... So Model Madness' third round pick. He has chosen from a game that I just started playing not too long ago, and I still need to go through and play again, which I'm going to talk about that after this track. So, the track is called World Revolution Slash Last Battle, and this is a remix from the game Chrono Trigger. The original composer is Yasunori Mitsuda, Nobuo Omatsu, and the remix is done by Gunmetal.
we're back. That was World Revolution slash Last Battle Remix for the game Chrono Trigger, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda and Nobuo Uematsu, with the remixers being done by Gametal. Now, I hear everyone rave about this game. They say it's a quick, short RPG. I'm going to get around to playing it. Now, Shukapau, who she has been on the show recently during the uh, Generations Fighter Lounge, uh, had made a tweet earlier about that Nintendo Service Online, the Super Nintendo um, component of it particularly, will be down for maintenance at some point tomorrow. So, she surmised that we're probably going to get a few new um, a few new games for the Super Nintendo Online. And she surmised that hopefully we'll be getting Chrono Trigger. I can only hope because I would love to be able to play this game on the go. Okay, I borrowed my cousin's copy for the 3DS over the summer. Problem was, I was so busy with my previous job that I was unable to play this game. I got past the first boss and that was it. I was very upset because I was enjoying the game, especially using Frog. And I was also upset when Frog left my party after beating the first boss. What the hell? But, anyway, so, fingers crossed, hoping for Chrono Trigger. But anyway, this track, which, oh man, that, that's something else I want to talk about. This track, oh, uh, wow, just, these guys just went Uematsu crazy. Which kind of ties into something that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show. But anyway, just, wow, like, I know I hear everyone rave about Chrono Trigger and how it's basically a perfect game, the way it is. And this is true, I from what I've seen and played. So, like, in terms of a remake or anything like that, no, just maybe re-release it. That's about it. So, that, that's all I can say about that. Like, I don't know what more you want to say. Uh, I know one thing. I do need to get a hold of that, um, I think it's called Tree of Mana from the Mana series, the one that came out for the PlayStation 1. I have it on my PS3, but I kind of want to play it on my Switch. And I think I don't know, I heard John Harrington talk about it on an episode of Game That Two about how they kind of changed a few things around, but I'll get it around to it eventually, but it was always a fun looking game. I used to watch my friend, an old school friend of mine named Josh, play it all the time. And I remember one of the fights he had was against a um looked like a ape-like monster and it spit it would eat fruit and spit seeds at you. So uh I'll get around to it eventually. But anyway, that was a good track. But moving, coming into the, the you know, getting into the weeds here. Going into round four. What have both these gentlemen brought? So, Bedrock has chosen a track that is literally just called The Cunning God of Death. And from what I can make out, I believe this is a medley of an area of, the, of Super Metroid as well as the boss fight theme for Ridley from Super Metroid. And original composers are Manaka Hamano and Hirokazu Tanaka with the remixers or cover artists, however you want to call it, going by Vincent Rubinetti and Zach Parrish.
welcome back. That was The Cunning God of Death, a medley of, I, I forget what the area is called, of Super Metroid, and the boss fight theme of Ridley from Super Metroid, done via Remix. Originally composed by Monaco Hamano, Hirokazu Tanaka, with the remixers being Vincent Rubinetti and Zach Parrish. Now, oddly enough, so to take you on a journey, so to say, uh, when it comes to the Metroid series, honestly, the first game I ever played in terms of Metroid was Metroid Fusion. And that's the game that hooked me into the Metroid series. I never played it before, not because Samus was a girl, but just because, honestly, I looked at the games, I was like, this isn't something that really interests me. And then one day, my brother David had borrowed Metroid Fusion from a friend. And I guess David didn't really like it, so he let me try it on my Game Boy Advance. And I immediately fell in love with the game, like... I played that game to death. I didn't 100% or anything, but I definitely, like, if I wasn't doing homework or chores or wasn't at school, I was playing Metroid Fusion. So, then when Metroid Zero Mission came out, I went and played that. And then my friend Chuck, he let me borrow Metroid Prime. And then when Metroid Prime 2 came out, I rented that from Blockbuster. I still need to play and beat Metroid Prime 3. Uh, so then, fast forward all the way to... After my second son, Stilios, was born. It's like three, four months in. I had a Wii U. Actually, wait. No, Stilios was born in August. Yeah, three, four months in, I had a Wii U. And I decided to buy Super Metroid for the Wii U. Because, you know, you could buy Super Nintendo games on it. I bought that, Ocarina of Time, uh, not Ocarina of Time, um, Link to the Past, and Metal Marines. And I sat there, and for like a week straight, I did nothing but played Super Metroid at night. Because still, let's wake it up in the middle of the night. So as mom could sleep, I would sit up and play the game. And he would sit there and he'd sit in my lap and watch me play. And I would play Super Metroid. So that was mine to him's bonding time. But yeah, like, I just, I love the Metroid series. Dread was basically kind of my game of the year from last year. Uh, there's nothing more I can say. Now, in terms of bosses, Ridley, I mean, he's a space pirate, but looks like a giant um, mutated pterodactyl. Uh, he finally got introduced to Smash Ultimate. Um, I have his amiibo. Not much else I can say. Um, he, you know, he's a flying pterodactyl space part thingamajig. Now, if you were to ask me who I think is probably one of my favorite Metroid bosses, I would say, um, I think it's, uh, what, what was the name of the boss from... Metroid Fusion. Uh, it was... Hold on, let me look it up. Alright, wow, 2002. It's been so long. Alright, uh... SAX. That was my favorite boss of the Metroid series, the SAX. Like, that's my favorite boss of all the Metroid series, just the SAX. Like... Whom better, who better to be an opponent for yourself but yourself? Just saying. But anyway, moving on to Bedrolls. I mean, to Muddle Madness's fourth round pick. It's chosen track from a game that I... We'll, we'll talk about this after the track is played. The track is called The Fierce Battle Slash Atma Weapon Metal Cover. Composed by, you guess it, Nobuo Matsu. With the cover being done by someone named Ferd... Hey, this is from the game Final Fantasy VI.
we're back. That was the Fierce Battle Slash Atma Weapon Metal Cover from the game Final Fantasy VI, composed by Nobuo Uematsu, with the cover being done by Ferd K. Now, uh, I was once told a long time ago that if you, like, alright, so, someone once told me that, there, you know, there's a certain list of books people say that you should read throughout life, that you just have to read, like, Catcher on the Rye, uh, I guess there's a few others, like, must-reads, like, you know, there's, like, a must, like, you definitely have to read this type thing. So, apparently, in terms of video games, Final Fantasy VI is the catcher in the rye of video games. Like, it's a game you just have to play. You need to play this and enjoy it. Um, I actually have, I think, a copy of Final Fantasy VI because a friend of mine gave me Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy Anthology for the PlayStation. So, I do plan on getting around to playing Final Fantasy VI, which is actually Final Fantasy IV in Japan. Regardless, um... I heard it's one of the best Final Fantasy games, and like I said, Small Joe said it himself, it's his favorite Final Fantasy game, because of, well, the villain, Kefka. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, actually, achieved, Kefka is like basically true evil, because Kefka doesn't want to destroy things so he, he can rule. He doesn't want to destroy things because of some, you know, religious zealot reason or whatever. No, he wants to destroy things just because he wants to watch the world burn. That's it. Just because he's bored. He's like, you know, he woke up, chose the ultimate violence, and he wants to see it through. And if I'm correct, I think Kefka actually achieves destroying the world. So, and the game still continues. Like, but regardless, just like, yeah, like, when I think of true evil, like, hearing that, the first time I heard that, I was like, wait, wait, hold on. The bad guy actually won, and you still have to go fight them? Like, the game just doesn't end, you keep going? Apparently so. But anyway, like, so, you know, this might be one of the games I add to my Summer Games Challenge. I do have a little bit more time now, so we'll see what happens. Or, hey, you never know. Maybe we'll also get Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo Online. Which give me another reason, even more reason to play it, because I can play it on the go. So, we'll see what happens. But anyway, we're moving on to the final round. Both these competitors have brought their A game, but what do they have in store for us for round five? Bedroth looks like he's going to hit Muddled Madness with a track called Malicious Fingers. Final Boss theme remix from the game Sonic the Hedgehog 3, with the composers being Brad Buxer, Sirocco Jones, Bobby Brooks, Darrell Ross, Joff Grace, Doug Grisby, Sachio Ogawa, Tatsuyuki Maeda, Jun Sinoe, and the remix is done by someone named Snapple Man. So when I'm thinking of like Malicious Fingers, I'm thinking maybe Bedroth then slapped the, you know, cro a, a, a kind of version of the Crippler Crossface onto Metal Madness, but at the same time, like, switched over to a Fujiwara armbar and he's like just bending his fingers back till they sound like they're about to snap. Here's the track.
We are back. That was Delicious Fingers. Final Boss theme remix from the game Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And this is an OC cover remix. Uh, original composer sorry, Brad Buxter, Sirocco Jones, Bobby Brooks, Daryl Ross, Geoff Grace, Doug Grisby, Sachio Ogawa, Tatsuyuki Maeda, Joan Tsunoue, with the remix being done by Snapple Man. Now, so, who better than Dr. Robotnik in terms of a bad guy? Like, it's Dr. Robotnik, man. I mean, the, everyone looks at Robotnik. Oh, he's goofy. He's this. Did we not forget this man was taking animals and turning them into robots to power his, you know, to work in his factories and stuff? Like, this man was on a one-man mission to destroy the Earth. Well, like, kind of pollute the Earth type thing. Like, just Dr. Robotnik, man. Like, I get it. Now they call, start calling him Eggman. But, yo, he's always going to be Dr. Robotnik. I'm sorry. Just, no, no. And also, I can't wait for that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Oh, I can't wait. Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik was, like, such the perfect choice. You don't even know. Um, moving on. Uh, oh, not moving. So, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So, you, on top of Dr. Robotnik, you also had the final boss of, um... Metal Sonic. So, just, it's one of the things, like, oh, God, just, I remember that boss fight, like, just that guy. Whew. I actually played a track of that boss from, um, what was it called? Um, during my Fire's Lounge um, Last Stand edition, where I played a bunch of tracks from boss fights and stuff like that. But, uh, I gotta say this about Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I have one complaint and one complaint only. Flippin' Carnival Night. I hate that stage. I hate it to death. I hate everything about it. Just forget that stage. Screw that stage. Just just no, no, no. Stage sucks. I hate it. Like, I hate it more than I hate the Water Temple and Ocarina of a Time. I said it. Moving on. So... Muddled Madness, he broke out of the Malicious Fingers, and now, looks like he's about to use his finishing move on Bedroth. This is a track called Erosion of Madness from the game Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3. So, if I had to guess, you know, I feel like the Erosion of Madness is basically kind of like a crossface, but maybe a high-angle crossface where, like, Muddle sitting on Bedroth's back, and he kind of has him in a camel clutch. But instead of having the camel clutch under his neck, he has it, like, across his face. And he's just sitting and reeking, like, he's just got the cross face across. And he's just, like, just eroding at Bedroth's, like, cartilage and face bones. And, oh, just, just, oh. But anyway, here's the track. Oh, and a composer for this is Takahiro Yunasuga.
Oh man. Uh, right, that track was called Erosion of Madness from the game Legends of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3, composed by Takahiro Yunisuga. Um, I don't know much about the Legend of Heroes games. I know Pernell raves about them all the time. I've seen, they're, they're constantly on sale on the PlayStation Store, and I keep telling myself, maybe one of these days I'll buy it, like the first one, and then work my way through, because it's one of those world building type games, so I don't know. Wait, what? What's that noise? Oh my god, that music, it can't be. I'm at both Bedroth and Model Master looking up the ramp. My god. Triple H may have retired from in-ring fighting, but not Triple Hammock. And it looks like he's eyeing up the VG and Fight Club Championship. What does this mean? Well, I don't know what that means. Well, I kind of do know what that means. But I also know that we have come to the part of the show I like to call Sudden Death. Favorite part of the game. <laughs> sudden death. The sudden death part of the show is in the off chance of a tie. Both competitors have one last chance to secure the votes they need in order to achieve victory. So, what has Sir Bedroth brought for his sudden death track? He has chosen a track called Die House, which is the King Dice remix from the game Cuphead. Originally composed by Christopher Madigan, with the, com with the remix being done by Caleb Hiles. Don't mess with me! Don't mess with me! 
back. That was Die House for the King Cuphead, which is a King Dice remix. Composed by Christopher Madigan, with the remix being done by Caleb Hiles. You know, Cuphead's one of the games where I really need to go back and start playing again. I own the game, and, like, I've maybe beaten two bosses. Like, again, maybe I'll go to my uh, Summer's Game Challenge list. But, so... Metal Madness's Sudden Death track is a track that, oddly enough, I have played on this show this season. But I played the live version. This is not the live version. But it's still a good track nonetheless. This is Get Equipped. Basically a cover of the pause menu from Mega Man 2. Or, no, I don't think it's the pause menu. I think it's the equipment menu or like the start menu from Mega Man 2. Rizuko Bowls by Takaha, Takashi to yeah, sorry, Takashi Tateshi, with the cover being done by the group known as the Megas. Here's the track. Stop, Dr. Wendell. 
back. That was Get Equipped from the Megas, from the game Mega Man 2. Originally composed by Takashi Tateshi. And I made a mistake. That was not the song I played. That was a different song of theirs. I greatly apologize. But regardless, still, pretty good game, pretty good track. One more, please. So, uh, regardless, still a good track. Uh, love the Megas. Was glad to see them live in concert this year at MAGFest. So... Pretty dope track. And that's going to bring us to about the end of the show. Thank you both Bedroth and Muddle Madness for taking time to participate in the episode. Thank you to everyone who listens. Um, once again, welcome Rage Cage. I'll definitely be giving your podcast at VG Emporium a listen tomorrow while at work. Um, I've Basically, that's what I've been doing at work lately because work has been like slow. So i just been catching up on my VGM podcast. Or if I'm working online, I just usually do. So... Um, just now speaking of which so the episode i listened to where rage cage was on robin pernell's show pernell mentioned something you know i kind of thought of it very interesting so as of the time of this show it is 11:41 at night on wednesday the show will be posted and people will probably listen to it tomorrow which is the same day in which robin pernell will be doing their live um patreon broadcast for rhythm and pixels now, as much as I want to be there, a very special person to me's birthday is tomorrow, and I'll be spending most of it with them after I get out of work. And, uh, so, Pernell, if you're listening, I would like to challenge you to a Mega Man gauntlet. It's very simple how the rules will go. You and me will both play Mega Man's 1 to 11. And the goal of this is to see who can beat Mega Man's 1 to 11 the fastest. Not necessarily a speed run, so to say, but like who can get through the games quicker without using glitches. Just using normal Mega Man gameplay, you know, the uh, Robot Master powers, all that stuff. And it's only Mega Man's 1 to 11. Okay, no, none of the X's, just Mega Man's 1 to 11. Now... I say to make the stakes higher, which will probably also interest Pernell, we just put 20 bucks on it and bragging rights, okay? 20 bucks is enough to get you a pizza and some wings, eh, depending on where you go. But regardless, just, so what do you say, good sir? We accept my challenge. And if he does accept it, we would not be getting, we would not be beginning this challenge to probably maybe the 8th of April or the 9th of April. Not this weekend coming up, because... I got too much stuff to do, and I believe Pernell's also busy, so we'll see. So if you accept my challenge, sir, please, you know, let me know. That being said, uh, also, so next episode, the winner of this episode will go up against none other than the one and only Triple Hammock in a Smoothest Slugfest 2. So, best of luck to whoever wins this. They will be facing Hammock. The episode after that will be the Money in the Bank match. Where already the participants will be... Uh, Rage Cage has already entered. I think one or two other people have entered. I'm trying to look for at least six to eight competitors. I'll explain the format and the topic as we get closer to that. And the episode after that will actually be... Our second War Games match. Team Game That Tune, led by John Harrington, up against 
team messenger led by Alex the Messenger Messenger. So far, the only person to join Alex's team is Bedroth. So, if anyone is interested in joining Alex, reach out to him or me and let me know. Now, the topic of that particular uh, matchup will be, you cannot use any games made before the year 2000. 2000 and up, you can use tracks from those games. Anything before 2000 is out. Period. So, uh, each team needs at least four to five uh, members. I know Game That Tune already has four members, so Alex just needs at least two more members. So, best of luck to you guys. Um, not much else to say. I'm still playing Elden Ring, and I'm also playing WW2K22, which is a great game. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to mention. So, I've talked to a particular individual, and depending on his response, which he already gave me his response, but we'll see what happens. I will be doing a monthly wrestling podcast. Now, this podcast, the only reason why I say monthly is basically how I'm going to do this podcast is once a month, the Monday after a pay-per-view, I will have a pot, I will have an episode where I will record talking about how I thought of the pay-per-view and the shows that led up to that pay-per-view for that month rating each show. Now, if it's a month that an AEW pay-per-view also debuts as a WWE pay-per-view, I will record the Monday after the AEW pay-per-view and then the following month talk about that WWE pay-per-view as well as the one that proceeds it. So we'll be going like that. And I will be going based off of a A to B, A to like C, D, E, F system. Well, C, D, F system for uh, the wrestling reviews because... I gotta tell you right now, Monday Night Raw, <laughs> man, like just, anyway, the person I have coming on the show, they will, um, hopefully they'll be able to join me, if not, I guess I'll be a one-man show where I'll have guests come on, or maybe that person will come on from time to time, I don't know. Such topics I want to discuss is our favorite finisher of the month, worst finisher of the month, uh, our favorite entrance song for that month, uh, worst entrance song for that month. And maybe we'll do a spotlight on one particular wrestler and talk about them at length. Or we'll just focus on what we thought was the match of the month, so on and so forth, and also ranking the pay-per-views. Anyway, that being said, um, not much else I can say. That's the end of the show. Uh, as always, you can reach me at Club at Hotmail.com. Uh, YouTube page is the next save point. Uh... You can find me on Twitter at a Gold Ram Superhero. And not much else to say. Uh, I'm going to leave this off with CM Punk's original entrance theme when he's in Ring of Honor, which is called Mazaria Conte, done by the group named AFI. So, once again, in the words of Kenny Omega, thank you and good night. And as always, Wu-Tang forever. Here's, the, here's AFI with Mazaria Kanta. You guys have a good night.